0: Adele Eddie Jones is a codependency and narcissistic abuse recovery coach, author, speaker, podcaster, YouTuber, blogger, and founder of a spiritual solution to codependency and narcissistic abuse. Thanks to her unconventional childhood and personal challenges, including divorce and raising her children as a single parent, her work is informed by her real-life experience and deeper studies of spirituality and psychology. Using her down-to-earth, relatable approach to coaching and her commitment to creating a safe space to explore the inside-out understanding, she serves a wide range of clients worldwide. Hello everybody. I'm really happy to have you here for a new episode of the Healer Hub podcast with Dell Eddie Jones. Hey Dell, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. So I'm really curious to hear actually about your background story. Um you are going to introduce us to the subject of uh, narcissism and codependency and you mentioned that you have a quite interesting story that brought you to being a coach and doing the work that you are doing today.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, it was a, a rather unusual upbringing. <laughs> um, I was born in Wales, which, um, uh, for many people, mm-hmm. it's part of the UK. Um, it's, um, so it's own little country, but it's part of the UK. But it, um, I was born in 1959 and, uh, back then it was quite a puritanical, <laughs> A uh, place to live, and um, uh, my mother. I was I was born to a single mother, and she was just not your usual fifties housewife <laughs> by any means. And um, I was the product of an eight-year affair that she had with my father, who happened to be a married man with two children who lived down the road. And um, the, the community were very. Um, uh, judgmental uh, not toward not just towards my mother but towards the children as well and so I grow up um feeling very um different um being illegitimate and being shamed for the circumstances of my birth and I also um, I never met my father, believe it or not. I mean, it's, people find that strange, but we, um, my mother, um, had converted our little Welsh cottage. Initially, it was for bed and breakfast, and then she converted it into a home for mentally disabled, mentally ill people. So we lived in these little trailers in the backyard, and um, so I didn't live. I didn't have the same trailer as my mother. I my, my sister, who was a year older than me, since I was about the age of five, we the family lived in these little trailers. So when my father would visit once a week, he would, you know, go to my mum's trailer. It's a little caravan, it's these tiny little things. Um, so I never saw him. And the only time I started to see him was when I actually went to the village school and I would pass him on the street, and I would be so excited to see him. And I He just never looked at me. He never, you know, caught my gaze. I would stare at him and just think, you know, just, you know, acknowledge me. And he never did. And I would play little games at school. I would spin around in the playground thinking he'd come up to the gates and was peeking through the gates at me. And he was never peeking through the gates. So I grew up feeling really, um, feeling really unloved by my father, for sure, because he never acknowledged me. And I also felt um really in at my core I felt that I was bad, that I should never have been born, that my existence had caused pain to this, you know, poor family, you know, not my father, it was his choices to do what he did, but I, I definitely saw his wife and his children as as victims of me and my family and their father. So I grew up having this really intense feeling of like, I don't belong here, I shouldn't be here. You know, I, I snuck in under the radar, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not legitimate, all these little sort of terms. And, and as I said, the teachers and the other children were really quite cruel and would um, call us bastards and things like that. So it was a, it was a you know, my mother was just, you know, doing the best she could, um, taking care of, you know, um, there were seven children in total and, uh, she'd been married before she had my, my, her affair with my father. So she had three children by her previous husband. And then she had three children with my father and then she went on to have another child. Um, but she was overwhelmed and she was doing the best she could. But, um, I often say to my clients, you know, even though we know our parents are doing the best they can, it's not always it wasn't mm. always ideal <laughs> and it wasn't always good enough and um we we can say that. But at the time I um I just craved her attention and she was very very busy so I didn't really get that. So I was definitely sort of suffered from orphan syndrome in a way, like no mother, no father, a community that was, to me, very dangerous. And also the community we lived in, you know, with mentally disabled and mentally ill people. It was, you know, as a very young child, that was very scary for me. Um, so that's pretty much the the very first few years. And that 100%, um, you know, um, I developed codependency as a young child. I was always trying to make my mother feel better. <clears throat> excuse me, not be a bother. Um, tell her what she wanted. <laughs> you know, when you've only got one parent, you you hang on to them for dear life and you you don't want to piss them off, so you you behave yourself. And um so that was pretty much my how I became very codependent. Low self-esteem. Um that you know, abandonment, these are the core elements of 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 um of codependency, um being a people pleaser, negating my own needs. I always putting other people's needs ahead of my own. um just trying to keep people um from from leaving me or abandoning me because I was so sort of um alone as a child, I think is the word I can use. I mean, I felt very very scary as a young child to sort of not feel you can lean on anybody. and um, and my mother was also an atheist so there was not even a god at that time or a a spiritual something to say somebody you know bigger more powerful is is taking care of me and protecting me so um, yeah so that's pretty much my story well there's more to it let me just fast forward to about 19 I, I I was just I just didn't feel equipped to live on this life. So I was feeling pretty like I wanted to leave, I'll put it that way. And then I came to California when I was 21 and discovered spirituality and self-help. And and that's when I really started to my journey of healing, which took a long time, but <laughs> that was the beginning of it. So mm-hmm. yes, that's who I am on well, the first few years of my life, let's put it that way.
0: Yeah, it's such an interesting story. And I, I'm really sorry that you had to go through all this. I know and I can feel in you that it was actually a story of, um, revival from this, mm-hmm. um, initial story, this primary story. And at the same time, as you said, your mom did her best and still her best was really not enough. Mm-hmm. you still grew up believing that you didn't belong here and with the story of invisibility. And I'm curious, how did it... Uh, so you, you moved to California when you were 21. You discovered spirituality. And how did it translate into you becoming a coach and supporting people who are maybe recovering from narcissistic abuse or from being in a narcissistic um, relationship? Well, it actually,
1: um, it, it didn't initially, as I said, it was a, a long, a long journey of healing. Um, and again, I, you know, like you just said, I just want to acknowledge what you said. My mother really did do the best she could. And in her later years, she, um, you know, um, she did so much for us. I just want to acknowledge that. She she really, really did. I mean, I think when I look back at it, those first few years, she was young. She wasn't, you know, she was struggling. She had her own issues. She had her own child, painful childhood. She was acting out a lot from that. So, um, but anyway, so fast forward to the 21 when I got here, I actually started my career in, in, in um I'd studied fashion design at college, so I was, I came up to Hollywood on holiday and ended up working here. It was not my plan. I was going to go back to England and study psychology, but um, for some reason, I started um, working immediately in the film industry. Some people had seen some of the clothes I was wearing, and they were like, where did you get that? And I was like, oh, I made it. And they were like, oh my God, give me a number. I can hire, you. I can get you work right now. So that was just a really bizarre turn of events. But I had a fabulous career um, being a costume designer and a stylist um, in Hollywood for about 12 years. And then um, um, I I was a little crazy, I will say. During those 20s, I was not healthy. (laughs) My relationships were, um, I I vacillated between, um, you know, wanting very unavailable men, you know, trying to act out that winning the father over that never acknowledged me. And the, um, you know, that sort of um, syndrome of if somebody liked me too much, I didn't think they were worthy. You know? <laughs> I had to earn love. And um, so I had that chaotic 20s career was going well, but my relationships were a disaster. Then I um, got into um, a long, I'll just put it this way, a long term relationship that um, was extremely narcissistic. I mean, it was a narcissistic, abusive relationship. I had always been attracted to narcissists because of my low self-esteem. I thought, you know, I had suffered from that, you complete me, <laughs> you know, you're strong, confident, and and powerful, and you know, you have qualities I don't have, which obviously was a mistake, but that was my thinking back then. So I would be attracted to those or difficult men or, or things like that. And quite honestly, after this very long-term relationship, I came out of it so beaten up and so it's like a rag doll with the stuffing pulled out of it, and I, um, it just, I, it actually led to me reading a book, and I had read hundreds of books, and I'd been in therapy for many years, and done all these workshops and everything, but there was this one book that I read. Um, I'm dancing around it, so I'm just going to be. I'm going to say it out loud. So it was an it was an 18 year marriage, and when the marriage came apart, it was the revelations or discoveries were incredibly painful to me, and my head was going really, really fast. Like you know, images and and fear of the of the future and and regret of the past, and all this stuff was in my head. And I read this book, and it was called "Stop Thinking, Start Living," and it was probably one of the last spiritual books i read cuz it really woke me up there was something i heard in it that i was just like oh my god i i've been believing these thoughts in my head all my life that i'm not good enough that i shouldn't be here that i don't deserve and and all of these things and when i saw that they were just thoughts passing through they weren't true they weren't really telling me who i was um i I sort of got distance from them because I'd worked so hard all my life to change my thinking about myself in therapy and workshops and self-help. It was like, when I see myself differently, I will feel differently. Or, or when, I, when I've when i done all this work on myself, when I saw that the thoughts were just, you know, passing through and they weren't telling me who I really was. And that I am this incredible spiritual being with infinite potential. I was just like, oh, God, I don't have to change myself. I have to change my relationship, my thoughts about myself. And that was easy. I was like, oh, they're just energy moving through me. They can just pass through me. So anyways, that was that was about in 2009. And that's when I had really was like, oh, my God, I, I really healed so much about myself, so much about how I showed up in the world, my relationships. I've been in this beautiful relationship for the last 13 years with an incredible man. And and you know, so much changed for me that I was like, I have to share this. I have to, I have to coach. Because I'd been an artist as well as a costume designer. And I, I'm a painter, a figurative painter. And so I'd had, you know, I was doing a lot of things and I'd always studied spirituality and 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 as I say, I did a, a master's in spiritual psychology. But as I say, it was really um, in 2009 when when something clicked, something really big clicked. And I saw who I really was in my essence, not this sort of made-up human thing that was made up of thought. I really saw who I was. So that's what led me to doing what I do today.
0: Yeah, that's so beautiful and so powerful. And as you were talking about how you believed your thoughts for such a long time, which I think it's just so natural for so many of us. Um, Also, we live in patriarchal societies that condition us to believe these thoughts. And like so many industries are benefiting out of our insecurities. So there is no real... Um, willingness for people to just be happy and fulfilled and it is inside their body, right? You receive just yeah. these dissonant messages. And it made so much sense also for you growing up the way that you grew up, and with the stories that you, you had about your own birth and about your being in the world to have yeah, attracted these people who were actually just mirrors, right? Like in mm-hmm. relationships, we are just trying to integrate this. Aspects, this unhealed, this wounded aspects of, of us. So it seems that all the partners that you attracted in the eight-year-long marriage was just a huge reflection. And probably it was painful, <laughs> like, like yeah. the journey of healing is <laughs> to bring you and back to yourself. And you're so right. It really
1: was. It was like, it was such a reflection. It was like, I was treated like I was less than, because I believed I was less than. Mm. I was, you um, know, it, it was such a reflection on every level. You know, the lies that I was being told. Well, I was lying to myself. I mean, every single thing that I could accuse my partner of, I was like, "Oh my God, this is what I do to myself." You know, and it was it was such a. And when you see it that way, and when you, um. You know, yes, again, I, I I have no regrets about anything. I love who I am today. I love the work that I do. I love everything I've been through. Yes, it was painful. I'm not denying it was, but I don't live in the past. I live very much in the present moment. But um, but it helped me. It helped me become who I am. And, and, you know, it's a big thing to say. I like who I am today. <laughs> you know, I don't think I could have said that as a child or a teenager or as a young adult, you know. But these days I do, you know. so
0: Yeah. And I really celebrate you for that because I feel that it's such a rebellious, anarchist way of being in the world. So many of us are not at ease with who we are. And so many of us cannot really hold and like really own this. I love who I am. I love my life. I love what I'm creating. I love the way that I'm showing up in the world. So yeah, mm-hmm. so I really, really honor that. And I'm I'm wondering, mm-hmm. you you mentioned how you took full, what I think I heard you saying was that you actually took full responsibility for the way that you were experiencing your 18 uh, year long relationship by seeing that everything that your partner was doing was actually something that you were already doing to yourself and they were just projecting that into the outside world so that you can really see it and not deny it. Mm -hmm. It feels that this is a story that is so real for so many people right like people do something or we believe that our partner did something to us and I'm wondering how did you how did you create that shift how did you take back your power and you started saying at one point well actually all these things that you are doing like you are lying to me it's actually just a reflection of how I'm lying to myself and how did you convert that how did you shift that for yourself you know
1: it's really interesting because i i always say you know um i'm very very if it's you know even though i 100 believe we are spiritual beings having a human experience i believe that we are having a human experience for a reason so there is no spiritual bypass with me i would never just go oh okay everything that happened was you know (laughs) you know whatever it was i you know I look at that relationship and many relationships. And often when I talk about, you know, narcissistic abuse, I, I say that it's a, um, you know, a collection of the narcissists I've, I've been with in my life. You know, like I don't, I think, I've 100% believe my father was a narcissist. Now I don't believe that I, I mean, yes, on a spiritual level, level, I believe that we incarnate and we choose our parents and we do that. But I also know that, um, and that for a purpose, but I also know that he was a narcissist and that as a, no young child deserves to be treated the way he treated me. So I'm not going to do a spiritual bypass and just say, Oh, that's fine. I, I, you know, as a young child, I didn't think I was worthy. And therefore he, it was a reflection of that. Um, 100%. Um, and I can say that about some of the abuse I've suffered from, from, from men in my life and women, there are narcissistic women as well, but I, I, um, what I what I will say about that is, you know, yes, the behavior was abusive, but if I had felt differently about myself, if I had valued myself, if I hadn't thought that I was less than myself, I would never have attracted somebody that thought I was less than, who would think that they could abuse me and take advantage of me. It was my, you know, it's almost like we emanate the signal you know, especially to narcissists. It's like, here I was like, sort of wearing my heart on my sleeve going, you know, um, love me, and I will dismiss any bad behavior, because I'm so used to living on crumbs that it's okay, it's okay. You know, I didn't have the, the strength to think, I didn't know back then how powerful I was. I didn't know that I was this made of infinite potential i didn't know that had everything i need inside of me i always thought it was an outside in world you know that i need your strength i need your power i need your confidence and it's like no that's innate within us we're all born with that except we listen to the thoughts that tell us otherwise so once i um once i saw you know that i had attracted that you know innocently, and we're all innocent in our, you know, in what we, you know, some of our repetitive patterns and conditioning. But once I saw that, I was able to sort of also let go of the anger. But what I, what really helped me, too, with anything that's happened to me in my past is what I call separate realities. And when I see that we're all these, you know, all we are are these beings with this sort of thought bubble that we live in, and, and we are reacting and feeling those thoughts. And you know, some people have thoughts, it's fear based, they think, oh, I can only have power if I dominate another person, or I can only have control if I, uh, you know, bully somebody into submission, or, you know, it's coming from a fear based thinking. So when I was able to see that, I didn't see it as, oh, this big, strong person has dominated and abused me, I saw them as a very fearful person living in a fear based reality, where they were making choices that, damaged their relationships and I had compassion for that I was able to say gosh you know I wouldn't want to be them I don't want to live in their world I love my world where I'm trusting and loving and open and you know and if I you know and I'm I'm aware now I can I can spot a narcissist a mile off um before I used to be so attracted to them now I'm just like oh god no you know but anyway um but that's 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 how I was able to make the shift it's not to as I say throw dismiss behavior that is harmful but it's to just understand where it's coming from and to understand how we innocently attract it to us and that's the power that's where we stop abuse and it's not to ever blame the victims I'm certainly not blaming the victim but when we come into the world with a bit more of a sense of entitlement ourselves, narcissists don't want to bother us. They're like, move aside. Where's the person with no sense of entitlement that I can take advantage of? So when we come into the world knowing who we really are and that we emanate that power and, and empowerment, I don't mean power as in control, but empowerment from within, then we, we attract totally different people into our lives. That, as you said, mirror, mirror that. They respect us. They love
0: us. They cherish us. Yeah. and There are so many things that pop into my mind. So one of them would be what you mentioned about not blaming the victim and just understanding that there is a, for every plug, there is a yes. co-plug, right? So like, yeah. of course, a narcissist will... Function well with the codependent, and nobody mm-hmm. is fully narcissistic and nobody is fully codependent. We all have traits and exactly. uh, narcissistic traits and narcissistic or uh, codependent tendencies. Um, I lived a lot in shame and guilt because I understand and I take responsibility for the fact that I'm attracting my reality, that I'm co creating my reality with the universe. So there was a lot of shame for me every time that I would yet again, be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't see my worth and who's not appreciating. And I would start playing the guilt and the shame game. And then I realized that maybe I haven't understood quite yet how to fully heal my worthiness and how to fully show up in the world from this sense of uh, worthiness so that I can attract a different type of people. But I sure as hell can say no. This is not mine and I will not tolerate this. Mm
1: -hmm. And for
0: me, that was a really big stepping point because I'm still attracting people who are, we have uh, dynamics that are not fully healthy from my perspective or who are not like at the level of um, development that I would like them to be at. And I understood that I can just focus on not autoflagellating and beating myself up for Yet again attracting somebody who's so below my standards. Um, mm-hmm. and just focusing on saying, I see you and I have a lot of compassion. I understand where you're coming from, I understand how there was there were circumstances that made you become who you are, and still you are not a victim of your context, and you are really choosing to be the way that you are and to behave the way that you are, and I am also choosing. To extract myself from this situation because this is not honoring and this is not aligned with what I want to experience in a in a human connection. Yeah, well, that sounds very healthy to me. It does. <laughs> I mean, yeah.
1: yeah, I mean the and fact then- the fact that you have the capacity to to recognize and the strength to say this is not what I want. This is you know because a lot of us, especially when we're codependent, we we start thinking. You know, we know that this is not something we want, but then our thinking comes in, and we're like, well, "You, you, have got to be kind. You've got to be loving. It's that they, they, they need us, and they're sorry." And you know, I mean, anybody could do anything to me and say sorry, and I'm like, "Oh, all forgiven, slate's wiped clean," you know. And it's, it's, but to be able to walk away—that's such strength, because as again, when we're codependent, sometimes we, 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 we fear being alone. We fear um, hurting other people, um, and we're projecting our own hurt onto them. (laughs) But um, so, um, yeah, I I stayed in relationships for so long because I didn't want to hurt the other person, you know, because I was projecting my own abandonment issues onto them. You know, it's so interesting what we do, and that's why I love the combination of spirituality and psychology to me they dovetail beautifully and because i think as i said we're spiritual beings and we're human and humans have psychology and it's but with if we just are looking at the psychological without the spiritual understanding that only got me so far you know understanding why i was doing what i was doing how i developed those patterns why i was attracted to you know the why i had my longing and love Wires crossed, you know, if I wasn't in longing, I didn't feel in love. <laughs> you know it was such a I love understanding that, but when it's viewed from this perspective of who I am at my essence, the truth of who I am, the bigger me, the spiritual me, then it all makes sense, and it all comes together in a beautiful way,
0: yeah, yeah. I'm curious about the modalities, speaking about the interweaving of spirituality and psychology, um, the modalities that you are using to support your clients on their journey. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's really interesting. I, um, as I said, I've, I've studied spirituality since I was 21, different forms, you know, I um, say, gosh, everything, Kabbalah. Kundalini yoga um um my mind's blanking Buddhism <laughs> um tons of different things tons of different experiences I often say I've sweltered in sweat lodges and drunk ayahuasca and I've done everything to heal myself you know my my first workshop I ever did was uh, that I participated in was called healing the shame that binds and I was like oh my god that's me shame shame based um so I used and like I said I did a a a, a two-and-a-half-year program um, um, on spiritual psychology. We studied lots of different, <clears throat> um, uh, you know, I'm trying to think sort of Jungism. Um, um, my mind is blanking. I'm so sorry.
0: Um, mm,
1: anyway, it's blanking right now. I'll come back if I don't chase it. Um, but different modalities. But spiritually, one of the understandings that I have is, is called the three principles, which... For me, it on its own, it can get it's wonderful, and it was life changing for me. But I, there is a little bit of dogma involved in it because they they can be very much like there's no such thing as psychology and no such thing as mental illness or or um, or um, um, personality disorders. And I think that's a little black and white for me. But, but I would one hundred percent my way of coaching is informed from that. In you know, as I mentioned, some of the sort of you know separate realities knowing that we're all born with this innate, you know, um, well-being, that we all have our own inner guide. We don't have to listen to anybody else. I just check into my own wisdom. Um, That's true for me. So what's true for me might not be true for you. So there's so many things about it that have really helped me. Um, And again, that we're all equal. I mean, my God, that was huge for me. You know, okay, in the physical form, we all show up a little differently. But on a spiritual level, absolutely no one is more than or less than another human or another being. Um, We just look a little different in our human suits. So I use a lot of um, and I was in I was in therapy for for close to 30 years um, working and it was wonderful and it helped me so much but it was, as I say, the combination of my spiritual studies and and um, my psychology and my being in therapy and my studies of psychology. that. So I do a really sort of mishmash of everything, you know, but it, it gets results. And, um, and I love the work I do because I love seeing people, you know, I, I don't have regrets about the past, but when I look back at how many years I stayed small, I didn't live, I stayed in situations that weren't, you know, self-empowered or, or you know, I negated my own needs. And when I understood that, oh, my God, we're all equal and we've all got this inner wisdom and this innate resilience and this innate well-being, I don't have to rescue anybody or I don't have to, you know, deny myself for another person. It freed me of, of you know, because a lot of people with codependency are rescuers, you know. They do it partly because they 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 want the pain you know it secures their love you know you think it secures their love. level well, if they need me more than just love me they'll never leave me you know so we tend to choose other wounded people um but now um yeah so it's so a lot of different modalities as I say that
0: I, that I incorporate yeah and I love that I mean like only makes sense that you would support people. You would hold people on their healing journey with everything that you've integrated and experienced, mm-hmm. and with everything that that you are today. Mm-hmm. What's your biggest life dream, and how does it relate to what you are doing now? You know, that's really interesting. Um, it changes.
1: <laughs> I mean, when I was younger, I not younger, no. I I mean, at times I probably I okay to simplify it my biggest life dream is to continue to help people recover from codependency and narcissistic abuse. And I don't have it, however it shows up, you know, I noticed that, you know, I, I love my clients. I love, you know, getting, getting, helping as many people as I can, reaching as many people as I can. Um, And there was a time when I thought, oh, do I want to do a coaching school? Do I want to do this? And but I have, I have children. I have a large family. And um, since my mother died, as I said, we never had fathers in our lives. And I definitely sort of somewhat see myself as now the matriarch of the family. And there's a lot of stuff going on in very big families. And um, so a lot of my energy goes to, sounds very codependent, doesn't it? It's not. <laughs> I have healthy boundaries now. But um, I don't see it necessarily as, um, I just want to have, Positive impact in the world. Let me put it that way. Now, whether that's through my clients or through how I just show up in the world with my family and my friends, um, if I can make somebody's day, year, life better, then that brings me joy. And I think I know that from from having been so sad as as a young child and a teenager and young adult. Um if I can help anybody not suffer that way, you know that that is just so rewarding for me, so enriching. so that is my big dream,
0: yeah, I celebrate that. and it's, yes. it's just really beautiful because what I'm hearing you saying is also taking responsibility for continuing this healing journey by giving like spreading healing all Mm -hmm. around you and when we heal within we heal without and we heal the collective so Mm -hmm. maybe you feel that like I heard you saying oh just with my family and it's not really just with my family or just with Mm -hmm. my friends there is such a huge impact Mm -hmm. um, that we have on people and we maybe sometimes we don't even realize how much we are changing the world just by being who we are and taking responsibility for the way that we show up. Yeah, exactly. I often say it's really
1: funny. I often say one of the most powerful positions, I think, you know, as it sounds so funny, but I sometimes think about checkout people at the checkout counter and how many people in supermarket go in front of them a, a day and how they respond to each individual that shows up in front of them for just a minute or two and how that can impact their whole life, just how you interact with somebody, how you respect somebody, how you, I don't know what it is, but I sometimes I just think that's such a beautiful position to have that, um, I remember once getting on a, a flight and it was, you know how the, the lanes loop and loop and loop. And so I kept crossing this woman and she was taking the passports and she was so sweet to every single passenger. And so kind and wish them a great journey. And I was, and I kept Simon in the line for about half an hour, but I'm always passing in front of her. But she's like, you know, just that snake. And I thought, wow, how many hundreds of people do you see a day that you light up their lives when you respond to them the way you did t- today to so all the people that were in my line and me? And see, I'm talking about it. This is like 20 years later. I'm still impacted by her energy and the way she showed up. And all she was doing was checking passports. But she did it with such joy, and she brought so much joy. Everybody's like, oh, thank you so much. Oh, that's so lovely of you, you know? So I think we do underestimate the impact we have. We do sometimes think it has to be big and global. But, you know, just just, just those moments when we meet each other and really just honour each other and, and bring joy, so yeah
0: I teared up a little bit, and I'm so grateful for for you sharing this story because just today i had a i had a call i'm I'm in the process of becoming a single mom and um I was debating like which clinic to go to and all this and I had a call with this doctor lady, and there was just so much lightness and joy in the way that she was talking to me and i i just felt yeah, I just felt that somehow like the whole heaviness of this whole process got mm-hmm. a little bit less heavy. I just yeah. by having somebody who doesn't know me, who doesn't know who I am. I'm just a number or like a case and a <laughs> file number, you know. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it is. It's um
1: yeah, you know, we can bring magic into anything any moment. We don't need big, big dramatic <laughs> you know demonstrations to have that just feel that magic as you say between just another human being so Mm -hmm.
0: beautiful yeah what do you find most rewarding um in your work maybe in your life um gosh
1: yeah i had so many things flash through my mind when you asked that um First of all, I I I love being a mother. I am, you know, that brings me so much joy being a mother. <laughs> Even though my sons are now twenty, almost twenty six and twenty and thirty, so, but I still feel, you know, that's being a mother is it brings me so much joy. Um, sharing love. I remember my son once saying to me, um, "Why are you so loving?" And I just thought oh it just sort of well number one I think we're made of love and it's not it's just a it's just an outpouring of what we're made of you know it's not it's not a, a conscious like oh I have to be loving it's just like I just love being loving because it's what I am made it's the energy that's pouring out of me so I, I love that and for me a lot of people will suffer from codependency as i said the shame they carry how could i have put up with that how could i have let that happen you know and i'm just like god you know we are all doing the best we can and sometimes we stay in abusive relationships you know longer than than we would have liked but we stayed for a reason you know and and to never diminish that and to just honor the fact that you know, let me just say, in other words, not even honour the fact, but you just don't judge yourself. You did the best you could, just like everybody. We all nobody wakes up in the morning and says, "How do I mess up my life today? How do I? How do I be the worst person I want to be today?" You know, we are all doing the best we can with the thinking we have in the moment and our level of consciousness, and to really um see the gifts as well. You know, when we see the gifts in our experience, it's like I say, the gifts in my experience. Um, it's very hard to have resentment or regret when you see the gifts you've received. And then um so yeah, I love seeing my clients forgive not even forgive them, yeah, forgive themselves and come alive and and open their hearts up again. So many people have suffered narcissistic abuse and they they close down. They're they're afraid to open their hearts again. And and that's why I say is like when we really understand how resilient we are. And it doesn't matter what we've been through. I've been a, through enough experience in my in my life to see that I always bounce back up, and that's our natural set point is to bounce back up. Sometimes it takes a little time, but that is within us, our natural well being. And when we know that we have that, and we know that we have that inner guidance from our own wisdom, I I never fear getting hurt again. I just don't because I just know <laughs> that I've weathered so much that even if I've weathered a temporary heartbreak or hurt or whatever that I would bounce back up again and knowing that keeps my heart open and when I can help people see that I I meet people that are going I'll never be in another relationship again in my life ever it's too it hurts too bad and when I can help them move through that and I see them as I said we're made of love and I think we're made to share that love you know we're meant to connect with other human beings on that loving level And so, you know, living with a closed heart to me is so painful. So when I see those people wake up to the fact that, oh, I have nothing to fear. I'm okay. I I am resilient. I'm, you know, I just, that, that really touches me seeing people opening up to love again. Not just, not just romantic love, but just love with a, you know, (laughs) fellow man, you know?
0: So. Mm. Yeah, it's so beautiful to to live life with an open heart and with a full awareness um, of the reality of having a human experience, which is, yeah. yes, you will suffer. <laughs> yes, you will exactly. experience pain. And, still yeah. choosing to keep the
1: and just one other thing I wanted to mention about, you know, what helps me keep my heart open too is when I really see these separate realities that we all live in this little thought-created world of ours and it's not sort of necessarily, you know, out there and we're all looking at the same world we're all living in our own interpretation of the same world when i see that i see the psychological innocence of another human being so i like i said if somebody's being abusive i can see that they are acting out on these you know thoughts they have in their head it's not personal they're not doing it to me they're not doing it because I'm a bad person and I'm unworthy. <laughs> They're doing it because that's just the world they live in. That's their thinking that have had them, you know, behave the way they behave, think the way they think. And that was huge for me. I used to take everything so personally. Well, if they loved me, they would never have done that, you know. Or, or, and I see that's that's not personal. That's mm-hmm. huge. That's so liberating.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you and I I wish people really heard what you just said cuz so many ta- so, so in so many instances it's just so difficult for us to not mm-hmm. make it about us and to understand yeah. that sometimes people can love you immensely and still not be able to show up in the way that they wish mm-hmm. or you wish they showed up uh in that relationship and it has nothing yeah. to do with the quality quantity of love that they have for you it mm-hmm. very often has with the quality and quantity of love that they have for themselves yeah yeah absolutely yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. who is your inspiration or who has been your inspiration on your journey oh. and why do you find them inspiring gosh that's um you know i, I heard i thought about that um
1: it sounds corny but really i think when i first came here i had so much shame about as i said the circumstances of my birth and and i grew up in the uk and it's very sort of there's a real strong class system there or it certainly was when i was when i was a child and when i first came to the states and i saw somebody like oprah winfrey oprah winfrey who you know was poor and 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 had been sexually abused and and she could come out and own that and 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 be be loved and admired even though these you know circumstances of her birth and, and and more so in America than the well I don't know but growing up I found I found America to be more prejudiced than I did the UK at the time not I'm not saying it's the same now but I was shocked at how um Prejudiced people were in, in, in America. But so I didn't really see, I didn't think, oh, a black woman is successful. I just saw a woman that was poor, low class, and had been abused. And that's what I could identify with. And I thought, wow, she can overcome that? I was like, um, that was huge for me. So she was an inspiration. And not that I've watched her shows. or. Did, but I just remember having that thought. If she can do it, I can do it. And probably my mother. I mean, as much as I can say, it was a very painful childhood. And like you know, my as a mother myself, I can sometimes think, "What were you thinking, Mum?" You know, but but she was also, as I said, I have so much love for her and and so much respect. And it's not black and white. Yes, there are choices she made that I would never have made as an as, as an as a parent. But she also did so many amazing things and. And I really and her strength, and really her. You know, it's so interesting to say this, but also her narcissism. You know, her her absolute sort of watching her. I mean, she built an empire in the end. You know, it, taking we ended up having multiple mansions full of mentally handicapped people, and but it was her sense of entitlement. It was her. It was her. Yeah, entitlement is the word that keeps coming up for me. It just. Um, Yeah, it's so interesting. And I just saw her just do things. She didn't let her insecure thinking getting in the way. She was in survival mode for many years. Um, but there was an entitlement there. And I I look at that and I don't want to I don't want to become a full blown narcissist, but I definitely see that I needed to raise my level of entitlement. So I look at her and I I think, yeah, a little bit of mum in me would be good, you know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really, really beautiful when I imagine that you've done so much integration and so much healing around your birth story and your parents to be able to recognize her as an inspiration and as a master and recognizing that um, you could infuse some of that deservingness and feeling entitled to the miracles of life that she had. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's beautiful. I love the way you put that. Yes, yes. Mm. Thank you so much Del. It was really healing and I'm I'm just in awe of your vulnerability and your willingness to share um these very sacred and very intimate aspects of your life to inspire us. And
1: yeah. Thank you. Well, you know, I've been there've been many people that have have helped me along the way by sharing their truth and um yeah I think that's why we're here is to just really nurture and help and love each other in whatever way possible and if my telling my story has has helped somebody see something about themselves differently then
0: absolutely it's worth it so yeah yeah and I'm sure that somebody will listen to this and you will be there all probably <laughs> <laughs> they will find the resonance in their story with yours and seeing yeah. where you are now and what you created for yourself knowing where you came from it's going to be very inspirational
1: well it's been a pleasure i mean it's such a you have a beautiful energy about you too and it's just been
0: such a pleasure to, to have this conversation with you so thank you thank you and let's tell people where they can find you online um i'm um on Facebook and Instagram. Not Instagram, not as much, but Facebook
1: and um, certainly on my website, delladjones.com. And I'm all over YouTube. <laughs> um, and again, um, Jones uh, or Insightful Conversations was a podcast I had for many years where I interviewed lots of spiritual teachers. And um, yeah, just um do think anything else. Nope, that's it.
0: <laughs> LinkedIn. <laughs> all the links are gonna be in the the description notes so people can find you online it's been a pleasure thank you for creating the space and the time thank you everybody for tuning in thank you and thank you everybody for for joining us
1: thank you